We are the Narrators 3. Elisa, Lynn, and Cho. And this is Once Upon a Rewatch. Welcome to Once Upon a Rewatch, Season 2, Episode 1, Broken. The original air date was September 30th, 2012. The writers are the Kitsuits. The director was Ralph Haymaker. And the title card is The Wraith. We're back, y'all! Woo! We're back! Did you miss us? We missed you. We yes, missed you very much. Tell a friend. <laughs> All right. So we begin with a close-up on a horse, startled by traffic noise. This is neither the Enchanted Forest nor Storybrook. It's in Central Park, New York, New York. The camera follows the man in a suit with headphones listening to Charlie's Girl by Lou Reed as he makes his way home from uptown to midtown. He's here. Is that man? He's here. I remember this scene confusing the fuck out of me when I first saw it. And I had to go back and make sure I was watching the correct show and that Netflix did not just like fritz out and randomly put on a different show. <laughs> but now I'm watching this scene and I'm squealing like a fangirl because he's here. He's here. I know. We actually get a land without magic scene that's not in Storybrooke or Boston. Like mind blown. Holy shit. There's more places than just Boston. Surely that can't be true. My life is a lie. I, I think the show, the showrunners finally got a map. <laughs> no. We're going to see a Thomas Brothers guide. <laughs> we're going to see multiple cities, multiple cities this season. <gasps> what? No, there can't Spoiler. be. <laughs> you lie. You'll fall <laughs> off the earth if you try and go to a different city. <laughs> <laughs> the mysterious man makes it just as a storm opens outside and rain begins to fall. As he struggles to close his window, his Walkman slips and falls down the fire escape. He hangs his head in defeat when a pigeon lands on his desk and drops off a small postcard. We see the back of it, which reads one word, broken. The man turns over the postcard to see an image of a familiar clock tower. The text on the postcard reads, greeting from Storybrook, Maine. Cute title card. In the enchanted forest, two riders cross a desolate countryside and approach an abandoned castle. Upon their arrival, one of the riders, Prince Philip, cuts through brambles and thorns to reach a slumbering young woman on a bier under a domed stone pavilion. Philip gets through those brambles in like two seconds. She's supposed to be in a deadly barricade of thorns. That was just like an overgrown lawn. He advises his riding companion that they should not tell her, referring to the young woman, everything right away. Prince Philip uses true love's kiss to awaken the sleeping beauty, Aurora. Aurora is confused by the state and emptiness of the castle, asking how did it get to that state? Philip reassures Aurora that they will restore their castle and their kingdom, but must first journey to a safe haven. Aurora questions if they are hiding from Maleficent, and though Philip reassures her they are no longer in danger from Maleficent, there are new dangers, but they can face them together. These two have nothing on the true love kiss chemistry of Snow and Charming, like not even close. Well, I do like Aurora, and I think Prince Philip is very handsome. They're they're cute. I like them, but I mean, it's really hard to compete with a real I life was... couple. That's true. I guess like, that's to, true. to be fair, that bar is so damn high. It's really high. <laughs> Those two lovebirds are going so strong. I ch occasionally check in on his Instagram. His cute little Instagram. Oh, they're very cute. They are so cute. Just like my beautiful wife. My beautiful wife. <laughs> Look at it's date night. We're gonna get sorted into Harry Potter houses tonight. They're so damn cute. They're adorable. Nothing's too good for my baby. <laughs> it's just God. They're so damn cute. I can't Hasht even deal with them. Hashtag Gryffindor. 
yeah so poor Roar and philip never stood a chance no no (laughs) no that because that's legitimate true love that bled over so strongly that they actually fell in love in real life yeah Yeah. in storybrook the magical smoke blows away leaving blue skies and white clouds in its wake mary margaret and david walk down the main street where they reunite with ruby granny and the seven dwarves all of them relieved that the dark curse has been broken recognizing each other from their pasts all the dwarves like cuddle piling on snow white absolutely made me emotional yes first the snow and red reunion and then the dwarves like bowing to snow and then going for the group hug like that the scene legit made me cry like starting from snow and red like i got very emotional about all these friends finding each other again when the dwarves bowed i totally said under my breath my friends you bow to no, you bow to no one. <laughs> oh, that's good. I mean, that's basically what she did, though. I know. I mean, because and they're and just and like I get your highness, because and I they bow to her, and she's all like, "Hell no!" and pulls them in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think we should specify to our listeners because the show will continue to do flashbacks as so long as the characters are in the land without magic we are going to refer to them as Mary Margaret, David, to keep things straight with us and the listeners, especially our listeners who have never seen the show. As long as the scene is taking place in the land without magic, we are going to use like their cursed names in the narration, in the actual like episode synopsis. Like we are going to be using Mary Margaret and Yeah, that makes sense to keep keep the storybook and Enchanted Forest scene separate. Yeah, because there's going to be so much back and forth. When Ruby asks what they should do, Mary Margaret replies that she wants to find her daughter. So it's true, says Emma, who has just arrived with Henry. Emma and Mary Margaret stare at one another before Mary Margaret tenderly cups her daughter's face and hugs her as she says, you found us. Ah, this scene, this scene, I cry. The pure joy on Snow's face brings me to tears every time, every time fuck i am a mess anytime this scene happens she is such a good actress emma and mary margaret are just the goddamn sweetest like always just always yeah this scene made me cry like a dummy snow like holding emma's face and crying while saying you found us it's just it's so wonderful it's so good jennifer is just amazing she's so good she emotes she emotes so much she she hits us all in the heart every time mm-hmm. while we're all emotional we hear the sound of grandpa which causes mary margaret to laugh joyfully david embraces henry as his grandson i love that charming is such a sweet himbo that he's just like yeah sure man why not it's so good yeah he's just so happy yeah he's just like sure guess i'm grandpa all right <laughs> <laughs> like or like you're damn right i'm grandpa you're, yeah you're goddamn right i'm your grandpa you come here little man world's best grandpa <laughs> oh my god oh 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 what i get him a sweater give <laughs> for him to have that shirt hell yeah and a matching <laughs> and, mug and and mary margaret needs one it's like world's best nana <laughs> <laughs> Though everyone is relieved that the curse is broken, Leroy questions why they haven't returned to the Enchanted Forest. The dwarf questions what that smoke was and who caused it. Mother Superior approaches the group and informs them that it was magic. Henry suggests that she do something magical. Mother Superior replies that there are no wands or fairy dust and matters are complicated. 
They begin to theorize it must have been Regina, but Emma puts a stop to that train of thought. It wasn't Regina. Meanwhile, at the wishing well, Mr. Gold and Belle discuss Belle's imprisonment at Regina's hands. Also, the magic brushed Belle's hair for her. So, so that's nice. That's thoughtful magic. I love that for her. <laughs> Belle reveals that she was abducted by the evil queen in the enchanted forest and was locked away. And that she spent the entirety of the curse's reign in the asylum. Gold swears he will not let this go. However, Belle wants him to promise that he will not kill Regina, to which he agrees before they kiss. Awooga! That is a hot fucking kiss. Like, that is the kiss that promises a whole lot of fucking later. Ma'am, this is a family show. <laughs> Awooga! Think of the children. Back with Emma, the crowd, her parents, Henry, the dwarves, Ruby, Granny, Mother Superior, walk down the main street. Mary Margaret suggests they discuss their pasts, but Emma puts it off, more concerned about what Gold has done to the town and why he double-crossed her. Can't we do this later? Like, with a glass of wine or several bottles? I like the way Emma thinks. Emma is like, I only know how to be angry right now. That's how I process things. So I need to go punch Gold. <laughs> she's very, she is very Hulk-like, where she's just like, Emma confused, Emma angry, Emma smash. Yeah. Which I understand, because it's not like I haven't also been guilty of that sometimes things are weird and too much and like anger you can cope with yeah these other emotions they're messy and complicated but anger you can get through and she's all like i i can deal with one emotion right now and it's being mad and i'm going with it where's my chainsaw pretty much (laughs) (laughs) david and mary margaret express that they have longed for this reunion and emma agrees that she has as well but she never imagined it this way, and that she needs time to adjust to her new truth. The conversation is interrupted when David notices townspeople running through the streets. Archie Hopper runs up to the group and informs them that Dr. Whale has worked everyone into a frenzy and they're heading to Regina's house to kill her. Man, Dr. Whale fucking sucks. Not like Regina is great, but he's just a gross opportunist. Like, this dumb shit just wants a mob. Poor Archie's just like, please help me. This is turning violet. And I am just a gentle nerd with his little umbrella. Just one crandal with an umbrella against an angry mob. Help him, Emma. Oh, the Help umbrella him. kills me all the time. Every time just, I watch this episode. It adds such a level of precious to him that he's just <laughs> gripping his little umbrella. I love Archie. And it's just like, oh, you poor sweet thing. <laughs> Leroy suggests it's great, but Archie argues that killing Regina is wrong. And Henry agrees, adding that Regina is still his mom. David points out that Regina may have her powers back and that the townsfolks could be headed to their deaths. They rush off to stop the mob. We return to the enchanted forest as Philip and Aurora joyfully reunite. It is interrupted, however, when his traveling companion notices a rumbling from the floor. Suddenly, a large wraith bursts through and attacks. Philip fights the creature briefly before causing it to drop a wraith amulet. The creature then flies off and Philip picks up the creature's amulet. Aurora asked what it was, to which Philip replies, something bad. Homie, never use your bare ass hands to pick up some strange objects that menacing supernatural creatures drop. Listen, listen, he's pretty, not smart. It's a trend with princes in this show. I know. <laughs> they're pretty, they're not smart. No. Back in Storybrooke, Mr. Gold and Belle enter his shop. Gold tells Belle to wait while he goes to find her something to wear. He enters the back area 
unlocks the cabinet, and takes out a box. Opening the box, he removes the same amulet that the creature dropped in Aurora's palace. Note that Mr. Gold used gloves to pick up this amulet. You want to know why? He's smart. He knows not to handle strange curios with his bare-ass hands. But dude, get your girl some real clothes, like you promised, before plotting your revenge. Don't leave her hanging. That's rude. She's just standing in the shop like, wow, those clothes must be really far back there. He's been gone like 45 minutes. I do like the visual where they literally show him walking past the clothes. Like, yeah, there's yeah. a full ass rack of clothes he walks past. And it's like, sure. poor Belle's just standing out there like, I guess they're really buried. She's been through a lot. Doesn't she deserve not a hospital gown? Not those fucking ugly clogs. Yeah. And the stolen sweater that Jefferson grabbed yeah. from the <laughs> like 80 sizes too big for her and has like holes the size of softballs in it. Yeah, poor gal. Meanwhile... A mob of townspeople, led by Dr. Whale, confront Regina at her front door. Can I help you? She answers in a cheerfully mocking voice. Whale threatens to make her suffer for taking everything away from them. Regina attempts to use magic to frighten the crowd, but is unsuccessful. After a moment of comical confusion, Dr. Whale pins Regina against the column. The crowd calls for her blood. Can we talk about the fact that this fuckboy was just about to strangle Regina? Like, he goes in for the kill. What the actual fuck, man? Yeah. Once again, I will state that Dr. Whale sucks. He sucks, man. And he will continue to suck. Yeah, that won't change. That will remain consistent. <laughs> yeah. His character is nothing if not consistent. Mm-hmm. Anytime he shows up, it's like, oh, well, prepare <laughs> oh, for disappointment. Well. It's like, you know, David Nolan was a very disappointing man as his cursed self, right? Yeah. Dr. Whale, though. He was disappointment through and through. (laughs) He just, he he excels at being a disappointment. Yes. (laughs) As we will come to find out. Spoilers, no spoilers. That's that's the end of our spoilers. That's a a hint. Teaser. (laughs) Spoiler alert. He sucks. (laughs) Emma and her allies break through the crowd, calling for Dr. Whale to let Regina go. When Whale questions why he should listen to Emma, she responds that she is still sheriff. Mary Margaret adds that nothing justifies killing Regina, and David tells Dr. Whale to back off. Whale responds that David is not his prince, but when David asks Whale who he really is, Whale snaps that it's none of his business. Mary Margaret declares that Regina should be locked up for her safety as well as the safety of everyone else. I love that moment of utter bafflement when David realizes he has no clue on Dr. Whale's true identity. Not that David knew everyone in the Enchanted Forest, but this is the first clue we have that there is more than meets the eye with Dr. Whale. Damien from Mean Girls voice. She doesn't even go to this school. (laughs) (laughs) Also, I just have to say that Emma, Charming, and Snow taking charge against the angry mob was great like what a dreamy family them some damn fine genetics really Mm -hmm. are Mm -hmm. as they lock regina in the jail cell david asks her why they didn't return to the enchanted forest when the curse was broken regina responds that there is nothing to go back to that land is gone mary margaret suggests that they find gold and they depart Gold appears as Regina eyes the lock on her cell, telling her that magic is different in Storybrooke. I assume this is all you're doing, Regina sasses. Most things are, Gold admits. Gold reveals that he promised Belle he wouldn't kill her. Regina stupidly feigns surprise that Belle is alive. My gods, you can see the steam coming out of Rumpelstiltskin's ears, which she poorly pretends like she had absolutely nothing to do with Belle's disappearance. Oh, Regina. 
you fucked. Gold promises to give Regina a fate worse than death before reaching between the bars to grab the former queen's hand, forcing Regina to hold the amulet. When the impression has been made, he takes back the amulet and chuckles. Back in the enchanted realm, Philip's companion explains that the creature was a wraith and reveals herself to be Milan. Damn, that Mulan is so hot right now. Her taking off the helmet is wonderful. Like, damn, so dashing. It's like the Prince Charming slow motion helmet removing scene from Shrek, but like for us queers. Hell yeah. Awooga. So good. She explains that the wraith marks its victims and then sucks out their souls and reminds Philip and Aurora that they need to begin their journey. As Philip reassures Aurora, he notices a mark burned into his hand from the amulet. However, he hides this fact from Aurora. I'm a little shocked that Disney did not receive a cease and desist from Warner Brothers. The Wraith itself is a tale as old as time, but the look and Dementor-like purpose of it is a bit on the nose. And I looked up like Dementors to see like where JK got her inspiration from. Like, was there any like soul sucking lore to it? And maybe I just didn't do enough digging. She claims that she based it on like her brief bout of depression, which I'm like, okay, sure. But I mean, I mean, this is just so on the nose. Yeah, my exact notes were I'm the absolute last person who wants to bring up JK fuckface, but were they even trying to not have these things be blatant Dementor ripoffs like at all? <laughs> I don't think they were. No. Like we're going to write about Dementors. Kids love Dementors. Kids love a Dementor. <laughs> Let's give the kids Dementors. Lord. Also, Prince Philip is kind of withholding. Like first he's like, don't tell Aurora about the state of our land. And then he like hides that he was marked for death. Like, sir, maybe you should learn to communicate to your girl if it's true love. Like it wouldn't be one spawn time if men weren't at least a little disappointing. That's true. Mm-hmm. Back in Storybrooke. Mr. Gold walks through the forest and drops the amulet on the forest floor before using the power of his dagger to summon the wraith. As he does so, the mark from the amulet burns on Regina's palm. Meanwhile, Emma entrusts Henry to Ruby. David warns Mary Margaret to not push it, which of course she says she will, and then promptly disregards as she attempts to start a reunion conversation with Emma. Gods love you, Mary Margaret. I love when you have zero chill. In this delightful scene, we get a, a family-friendly version of the bitch be cool scene from Fault Fiction and Mary Margaret revealing that she had a one-night stand with Whale, much to David's horror. Be cool, honey bunny. For real though, <laughs> David being like, Dr. Whale? And Mary Margaret just going, we were cursed. Is amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And also, like, the best way to explain any shitty decision involving a boy ever. Just going, we were cursed. It's so good. <laughs> such, a, such a good scene. Mary... I'm going to use that now as my go-to excuse for everything. We were cursed. No, no, it's perfect. We everyone's like, hey, what the hell? Just be like, we were cursed. We were cursed. <laughs> and we were leave cursed. them confused. <laughs> Didn't just walk away. <laughs> Mary Margaret observes that Emma seems unhappy about the curse breaking. Emma reassures her friend mom that she is happy, but explains that, her entire life, she only knew that her parents sent her away. When Mary Margaret tells her that they did it for her, Emma replies that it doesn't change the fact that she was alone. Mary Margaret replies that if they hadn't sent her away, she would have been cursed too. And Emma responds that they would have still been together and wonders which curse is worse. She then ends the conversation, 
reminding them that they need to find gold. Okay, real talk. Emma's feelings are very valid. And I like that they took the time to explain it and they did not make her super overjoyed and thrilled and just forget like those 28 years of loneliness. Although in Snow and Charming's defense, to retaliate Emma's, but we would have been together, uh, probably not. She probably would have been raised by Regina or cared for by Regina. David and Mary Margaret weren't together when the curse was enacted and... Regina really wanted to raise a baby. She likely would have been Emma's adopted mom had she been swept up in the curse. And my profound apologies to the Swan Queen fans out there listening. This is just a theory. It did not happen. Don't at me. She'd also like still be a baby because oh, I yeah. started up again. So like instead of being cool and having a neat motorcycle jacket, you'd just be crying and pooping yourself 24 seven for 28 years, 28 years. You'd just be an infant. So yeah, because she'd be part of the curse. It's not like Henry, mm-hmm. who was outside the curse, could grow and up. And it's not like she could come to Storybrooke and break the curse because she'd already be there as an infant, perpetually mm-hmm. pooping and crying. Yeah. And no matter what happened to baby Emma, where she would have been placed, like the main part of the curse was to ruin Snow and Charming's happy ending. So there's no way that family would have been placed together. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And she'd just be a pooping, crying baby. She would. Back in the Enchanted Forest... Mulan, Philip, and Aurora travel until nightfall before deciding to make camp for the night. Philip tells Aurora that he is going to find wood for a fire. He pauses, staring at her sadly, saying he missed her. She reminds him he will never have to miss her again. He says he will be back in five minutes before kissing her goodbye passionately. As he walks away, a tear runs down his face. Bro, just tell her. Like... That was death. Uh, I'm about to die kiss. She could tell. It was definitely a, I am so sad we didn't have time or privacy to make the sweet, sweet love kiss. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'm gonna die a virgin. Oh, man. We return to Storybrooke where Emma, Mary Margaret, and David confront Mr. Gold in his shop. What can I do for you? Mr. Gold asked as he poured hot water into a silver teapot. What you can do is tell us what you did, Emma snarls. I'm sorry, you're going to have to be more specific. The charming family lists a litany of grievances before Gold reminds Emma that not only is Henry alive and well, and the curse broken, she finally found the family she's been searching for all her life. When Emma asks what the purple mist was, Gold replies that it was magic, but refused to answer why he brought it to Storybrooke. At this moment, the shop shakes violently. David and Mary Margaret look out at the town under siege, and Gold explains that is his gift to them, and it's going to take care of Regina. Before exiting the shop, Emma warns Mr. Gold that they're not done, and he replies, oh, I know, you still owe me a favor. Also, this scene has the best Emma line of the episode with, maybe I don't need answers, maybe I just need to punch you in the face. Like, it's so perfectly Emma. Yeah, then Gold is like, so maybe you should thank me instead of punching me. And it's just like, ¿por qué no los dos? (laughs) I can do both. Yeah, both both is good. Both Both is good. good. Both is good. (laughs) After the trio departs, Bella emerges from the back. And having overheard everything, she confronts Gold. They have an argument about his manipulation. I thought you changed, Bella laments. Annoyed, he replies, what, in the hour you've known me? Crushed by his words, Belle dashes out the shop, even as Mr. Gold tries to apologize. First of all, what a glow up for Belle, finally. Secondly, damn it, Rumpelstiltskin, why are you such a fucking idiot? (laughs) Belle's just like, 
fuck you i asked you one thing this episode's theme is men specifically rumpelstiltskin and prince philip getting their ladies back and then immediately lying to them david gets to escape this disappointing men trend for once because he's charming now and charming is perfect God, I'm glad we have Charming back and not just David the Disappointment. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Good Lord, that was rough. <laughs> yeah. In the Enchanted Forest, while Mulan attempts to start a fire, she hears the wraith lurking nearby. Aurora emerges from her tent, asking where Philip is. Realizing he has taken the horses, Mulan concludes that Philip was marked by the wraith and left to protect Aurora. She heads off after him, and Aurora chases after her. Aurora is such a pill to Mulan. Like, why you gotta be so snotty to someone trying to help you out? Bisexual panic. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're all chuckling because we know that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, too real. Okay. <laughs> Back in Storybrooke, the Wraith attacks Regina in her cell. As it begins to suck out her soul, David appears and hits it with a chair. After he is unsuccessful at subduing the creature, Mary Margaret makes a makeshift flamethrower to scare the creature off. Snow White is so damn badass. She is such a clever gal. Also in the scene, you can see the rape skin is like slimy flesh and it's really gross looking. Like, I wasn't frightened by the Wraith in any of these shots. It's just like a CG floaty monster dementor thing. But it does actually look proper gross in this one scene. So oh, I honey. guess that they did some nice details on the gross skin. It was yucky. Oh, I'm, I was too distracted by David's sweet wrestling moves to <laughs> of hit it with a chair. <laughs> to, and I was uh, distracted by notice. Snow being like fucking flamethrower this bitch. I mean, they I really know, could be a, a tag team in a no holds bar match. They're, they're yeah. great. Like talk about a fucking power couple. Yeah. <laughs> I love also that like there's light and shit on fire. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. They don't care. Property damage means nothing to them. Yeah. <laughs> Regina informs the trio that the Wraith cannot be killed and will stalk her until it claims her. David suggests they do nothing and let the creature take Regina. This part is deeply hilarious to me because Regina is like, this is a great example you're setting for your daughter. Like, bro, his daughter is almost 30, not eight chill i think regina like still has like mom brain because of, mm -hmm. you know because of 10 and a half years of raising henry you know she's just like oh, it's a fine sure. example but it's so funny that she's like think of the wee baby and there's just like grown-ass <laughs> woman emma standing there like what what <laughs> what <laughs> huh? me points to herself <laughs> I, I am baby <laughs> well shit man guess i'm baby <laughs> Emma interjects that she promised Henry she'd protect Regina, and Regina suggests they send the wraith somewhere it can't hurt anyone. Snow gives Emma a look at this part where she just looks so proud, and it's very sweet. Also, Regina gives Emma a very different look in this scene, and I feel like it must have made it into a thousand swan queen gifts and videos. <laughs> exactly, like... I really never understood the Swan Queen shippers the first time I watched the show, but I will give them these two have legit moments. Like, Regina looks so legitimately like, oh my, 
when she finds out that Emma promised Henry she protect her. Like she looks like she's on the verge of getting the vapors. <laughs> yeah, it's a, oh, I she, guess the she's just oh, like, oh, the Emma Swan's so hot right now. Oh my goodness! <laughs> I declare, <Ms>. Swan, <laughs> oh, my. clutch my pearls. Yeah. Oh my God, you are legit right. There are so many gifts and screenshots and shit of of like specifically that look. It's a it's a look. I was like, oh, I I get it in the in this moment. I get it. Like like there's there's something there. Yeah, like I, I'm back to like my first time watching it. I was like, I don't know where you people are coming from when everyone was like really like Swan Queen, Swan Queen. And now I'm like rewatching it and I'm like, oh, okay, maybe they did have some basis for it because there's some times when I'm like, are you guys going to kiss? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I think it's it's really, I think, most dominant in season two and, and season three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. At City Hall, Regina produces Jefferson's hat. Emma recognizes it and names its owner. But Regina pretends to not know who Jefferson is. You sly bitch. Regina, you are fooling no one. Mary Margaret and David enter with three brooms for torches, and they make their way into the main hall. Regina places the hat on the floor, explaining that it's a portal to the enchanted forest, and that they only need to send the wraith through it in order to get rid of it. When Mary Margaret remarks that she thought their land was gone, Regina replies that it is, and sending the wraith into the portal will banish it to oblivion. As the wraith approaches, Regina tries unsuccessfully to open the portal. In the Enchanted Forest, Wulan tracks Philip as Aurora approaches. Having found one of their horses, Wulan tries to convince her to stay behind, telling Aurora that Philip's best chance is her. Aurora claims that Mulan loves Philip as well, and Mulan denies it, explaining they fought many battles side by side. Nothing more. You know nothing, Aurora. I love Mulan's angry, your highness, at Aurora, like that's the moment that launched a thousand sleeping warrior ships. Yeah, I mean, it sure did for me because dang. We quickly cut back to Storybrooke. The Wraith enters the hall and is engaged by David as Mary Margaret lights the railing on fire to keep the Wraith away from Regina, Emma, and the hat. Regina continues her attempts at opening the portal, but is unsuccessful. Damn, they love setting shit on fire. They don't care about property damage. Mm-mm. No, I mean, it's not like they have social security cards. I mean, they're not on the grid. No, they're like, this trash place means nothing to me. Light it up! Light it up! <laughs> we quickly cut back to the enchanted forest as Philip attempts to draw out the wraith when Mulan and Aurora find him. He orders them to go, and Mulan nobly offers to mark herself. Philip refuses, and the wraith approaches. Philip turns briefly, saying, I love you, to Aurora, before his soul is sucked out by the wraith. The wraith is then sucked back into the wraith amulet. Devastated, Aurora and Mulan throw themselves onto Philip's lifeless body and cry. Or one out for Prince Philip, y'all. We hardly knew thee. 
I think we could have had a fully functioning OT3 here if Philip had learned to communicate and also the show was like on HBO or something. I think we have some potential here. I don't know, man. The most unbelievable thing Once Upon a Time has ever tried to convince me of is that this version of Mulan has any interest in men. Because no, no, she doesn't. This Mulan is a stone-cold lesbian, and I am delighted. Yes. That's true. Okay, maybe it would have been a Parks and Rec thing and have been like, this is my <laughs> this is my girlfriend, Aurora. And this is, and my, this is my girlfriend, girlfriend Aurora's girlfriend, Aurora. Mulan. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is my girlfriend's warrior wife, Mulan. Yes. <laughs> We return to Storybrooke. Regina is still unsuccessful in opening the portal. But when Emma touches her arm, the portal opens instantaneously. Like I was saying about Emma and Regina. (laughs) David is knocked back by the wraith, which then goes after Regina, standing in front of the portal. Emma knocks Regina out of the way as the wraith is sucked through the portal. But Emma is grabbed and pulled through as well. Mary Margaret jumps in after her. David tries to do the same but the portal closes before he gets there. Big mama bear energy. David broke the hat with his butt. He's so sad he squished it. (laughs) Poor David. Poor David. He broke it. He broke it with his butt. (laughs) I like big butts and I cannot lie. Apparently so does snow. (laughs) Baby got back. (laughs) Enough to break a whole hat in a dimension. Poor David. Poor David and his voluptuous badonkadonk crushing a dimensional <laughs> vortex. <laughs> Wait, what was what was our musical number from episode three? Into the woods with his bare ass. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Into the woods with his bare ass. Yes. There we go. Continuing theme from season one: Prince Charming's butt. <laughs> I do love a callback. <laughs> In the Enchanted Forest, Aurora and Mulan return to the castle and lay Philip on Aurora's bier. While they lament over the loss of Philip, Mulan places the amulet in a satin pouch and gives it to Aurora, saying that she should have it. Here is the cursed item that murdered your one true love. I put it in a pretty bag for you. Sorry about your man. Yeah, I wondered about that too, honestly. <laughs> she just like fucking sucks. Here you go. I think maybe <laughs> have a souvenir. <laughs> I think maybe she's like, here, have this. Maybe you can use it to save him. I think Rafe that's murdered what my boyfriend, and all I got was this shitty necklace. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty tacky too. It's very heavy. <laughs> she's just like, oh, thanks. Thanks. <laughs> I love it. In Storybrooke, an enraged David confronts Regina over the portal closing and demands to know what happened. When Regina responds that she does not know, he threatens her. In defense, she uses her magic to force him against the wall. And while wrapping vines around him, they begin to squeeze and choke the life out of him. Regina taunts him with some mocking words and prepares to deliver the final blow. However, she is interrupted by Henry and Ruby's arrival. Henry is horrified, causing Regina to release David, who falls from the wall. Shifting from a menacing to a soothing tone, she tries to reassure Henry that everything is fine. She tells Henry that Emma and Mary Margaret are gone. She apologizes, but Henry rejects her apology and tells her that he doesn't want to ever see her again until she gets them back. When Regina questions where Henry will go, David responds, with me, and marches off with Henry and Ruby in tow. Grandpa Hembo has to figure out how to take care of a kid. It's SpaghettiOs and Hungry Man from now on, Henry. I love Charming, but I think you're giving him too much credit. And it's going to be Charlie Brown Thanksgiving with popcorn and toast. It's going to be, I've seen you make toast, Prince Charming. You can't butter it, but you can make toast. (laughs) (laughs) 
Also, I feel like Regina might have had a chance of Henry choosing to go home with her if he didn't walk in on her almost murdering his grandfather. Like, Regina, you you can't be surprised here that he was like, actually, no, fuck this mom. I do love, though, the, where she was like, but where will you go? Like, she's talking to a, like, a peer. You know what I mean? Like, she wasn't mocking Henry. She wasn't, like, it wasn't said facetiously. Like, it no. was it was a genuine, but where will you go? You know? And it's like, because she knows that he's going to make good on that on that promise. Um, it's not like, you know, he's a little five-year-old, like, running away. Like, I'm going to pack up my my hobo stick and yeah. you know yeah. and throw it over my, my shoulder and drink cheese yeah, and bring my, my stuffy bunny and i'm yeah. out of here and i'm out of here right you know <laughs> it's like all right bye i guess i'll see you on the other side peace <laughs> yeah he'll be back yeah <laughs> he'll like he'll get hungry that string cheese is not gonna last him five minutes he'll make but it like, to the park have a breakdown come back yeah she yeah. <laughs> realizes that like he he is leaving a hundred percent yeah but i like that she respects his autonomy yeah. No, it yeah. is kind of, it is weirdly, it is weirdly charming that she just has that genuine, like, just kind of concerned, like, but where are you going to go then? Yeah. Like, she, she gets it. Like, she understands why. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Meanwhile, Mr. Gold absently spins his wheel in the back room of his shop when Belle finally returns. Gold tells her that the beast is gone and Regina lives. Belle replies that he didn't get what he wanted. But Gold responds that it remains to be seen. Belle notices the chipped cup sitting beside him. Gold tells her that it's the only thing he truly cherishes. Also, Gold almost beat her father to death with the cane to get it back. So, you know, he worked hard for that thing. Nothing says true love like almost murdering your girlfriend's dad over tableware. (laughs) Gold tells her that now you must leave because despite what you believe... I am still a monster. Belle lovingly caresses him and responds that this is the reason she must stay. Rumble, you are so dramatic. (laughs) (laughs) It is really drama llama. Like she's just kind of like, okay, honey, sit down. (laughs) She's like, I I clearly have some work to do. (laughs) (laughs) Like it, 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 it very much read like I'm a rebel Dottie, a loner. And she's like, okay, edgelord. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Sure you are, sweetie. Let's get you some lunch. You seem crabby. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're a little hangry. Let's (laughs) get a sandwich in you and then we'll talk. (laughs) First of all, rule house rule number one, no murdering. Not even in a manipulative, oh, but I didn't personally get my hands dirty. I just, you know, instigated the magic that made it happen. No, 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 no. Still murder. Still murder. Don't do it. Writing these on a chalkboard behind you. Yeah. (laughs) Making him do lines like Bart Bart Simpson. I will not murder anyone today. Continuously try to murder Regina. In Mary Margaret and Emma's apartment, a dejected Henry gazes at a photo of the two women. David reassures him that they are alive and he will find them. He will always find them. I wonder why he took Henry to the loft rather than his gaff. I mean, I mean, logically, I know that it's likely because they didn't have use of the interior of the home that David and 
shared with Catherine, but I mean, where has David been crashing? Like the YMCA, at the animal shelter, just in his own little sad kennel? I think the implication is that David doesn't have a place in Storybrooke anymore, since in the finale of season one, he was like, I'm leaving unless you tell me to stay, to marry Margaret, and the last time you see him before the curse gets broken is in his truck getting ready to leave town. Because I had the same thought of like, why do they go to the loft? Don't you have a house? And then I think it's because David bless his heart, doesn't have anywhere as of this point. Who the hell would they have sold the house to, though? Catherine. Catherine has it. Catherine did not go to Boston. Catherine decided to stay. So Catherine's in the house. And and David was going to live in the Boston apartment that Catherine has rented. That was in the... the, That's right. That's right. Oh, that's right. And I think he was staying at Granny's. Yes. Yes. Okay. So he he kind of he kind of a dreamy hobo right now. Okay, yeah. and All he was right. literally he was literally leaving town the last episode. Like he had mm-hmm. his bad pack. No, he- I re- I remembered that. That's right. I remember I, I had forgotten that like Catherine decided to stay. Yeah, and, she like, decided they were to basically stay. house swapping and, and yep. stuff. And I'm like, David hasn't been in that house in like weeks. Like where is he? been and i'm like oh yeah grannies 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 yeah Yeah. but super convenient he was already leaving town so he's already all packed to move into mary margaret's pad (laughs) she's gonna be so surprised when she gets back though and she's gonna be like wow okay then she's Um, like wow i had all these cute shabby chic things and now there's just like just shabby we posters no more chic (laughs) (laughs) there's just like a giant mug shaped like a football helmet on my counter and there's socks everywhere this is fantastic have you done any laundry since you and henry decided to crash here follow-up question have you done laundry ever in your life or has someone done it for you because that's the impression i'm getting and henry's just like sighing and gathering up the clothes in the laundry basket being like i have to do everything around here no i'm sure that like shepherd david did oh, yeah. all, did all his chores. own all laundry chores, yeah. yeah like he you know he he beat those clothes against a rock so i'm sure like a laundromat is like fucking like fascinating to him he's like woo if he doesn't just stare at it in mute horror <laughs> He's just like, why is it clanking? <laughs> well, I mean, thankfully, luckily, they still have like their cursed memories. So like they know how to like function in our world. Like he can still drive a car. That doesn't mean he can operate a washing machine. That's, this is true. At Aurora's palace in the Enchanted Forest, Aurora mourns over Philip when Mulan tells her that they need to leave. She decides to tell Aurora everything. Though Aurora has, in a way, only been sleeping for one year, much has changed. Mulan then explains that while Aurora slept, the evil queen enacted a curse over the land that ripped everyone away to another world. When Aurora points out that they are still in the enchanted forest, Mulan explains that their corner of the land was left untouched, and the people left behind were frozen for 28 years until time suddenly started again. Mulan and Philip were then able to resume their quest to revive Aurora. Mulan further tells Aurora that the land is ravaged with terrible dangers, and the survivors have found a safe haven that they should depart for. Hearing a noise, the two approach the rubble left from the wraith's arrival. Moving a large piece of decorative architecture that is blocking whatever is underneath, Mulan uncovers Emma and Mary Margaret, saying, That's what brought the wraith here. That's what killed our prince. And credits! What a fantastic episode to open season two with. Firstly, that cold open before the title card was just chef kiss. Brilliant. We're also introduced to completely new characters, specifically Mulan and Aurora, since we had to say goodbye to 
Prince Philip rather prematurely, which is sad because he is the first Disney prince to have a personality in the animated films. I always liked him. Me too. Me too. Yeah, I think this is a great opener. It's not as as epic or as big as season one's pilot, but it sets the scene well, letting us know our world is getting a little bit bigger this season. I really like what they did with the flashbacks this season. And they subverted our expectations of the show's formula, revealing at the end of the Enchanted Forest flashback that it was not, in fact, a flashback at all. It actually directly followed the timeline of the storybook plot. I thought it was nicely done and a good way to let the audience know we won't be trapped by the rules of season one anymore. But yeah, this just I think this is a real solid one. It, it tugged at our heartstrings with the reunions in the beginning, like legit made me cry, um, made us interested in the openings mystery man. It teased us with the start of this little bit of reluctant, almost teamwork with Regina and introduced us to Aurora and Mulan and, and, and Prince Philip. And all in all, I think it's a real nice start to the new season. Also, Aurora is Eleanor Lamb from Bioshock too. So I'm good. Yeah. Because I love Bioshock. And she was on the tutors too. She was. That. She was cute. Yeah. You know what's funny is that like she actually looks like Natalie Dormer a lot to me, uh, who yeah. played Anne Boleyn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sarah Bulger, I think that's her name. The actress who plays Aurora. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was Princess Mary, I believe. Mm-hmm. She was. She is Irish. And, uh, you know, I'm a little sad that she just didn't go with her accent because that would have been super cute. Oh, yeah. That would have been cute. That's a shame. Yeah. It is a shame. But she used her Bioshock voice. (laughs) She did use her Bioshock voice. Okay, costumes. Oh my God. I want Aurora's dress. It is so flirty and flouncy. I love it. It's lilac, but sometimes it looks periwinkle. I really, really want it. It's pretty. It's a really pretty look. I know the first time around, I was kind of nonplussed by Aurora's dress. But this time I'm actually like wait, is it actually genius? Because I think they actually chose the lilac so it's the midpoint of make it pink, make it blue. And the fact that in some lighting it looks more like one than the other is actually great. So they were actually smart with it. They were really smart with it. That is absolutely genius. I know the first time I had the same kind of knee-jerk reaction that I had with the Snow White purple dress where I was like, why are you in purple? You don't even wear purple. Purple's not your color. But like now rewatching it, I'm like, oh, it's because they were like, make it pink, make it blue. And that's the midpoint. That's actually smart. Yeah. When you look at close-ups of her dress, it's lilac and like textured. It's like long pleats. And so the top part is lilac. And then the panels in between the pleats are like, it looks at least to my eyes, periwinkle. I would have to. Yeah. It's got like little peekaboo bits of blue to it, right? Yes. Yes. It's little peekaboo periwinkle. That like a couple of times, like when she was moving, Mm -hmm. you'd get like just little like pops of it. Yeah. I love Mulan's outfit. Uh, I looked at stills. It's so well fitted and not at all a sexist piece of trash fire. Like I'm really impressed by it. Like it's functional. Yeah. I love Mulan's armor design. I actually worked elements of it and a foam armor crafting project before. It's just such a nice look. And also really like Prince Philip's armor design, just two really great armor looks in this episode. Um, And I also love the hairstyle that they do for Milan in like the second half of the episode, like that, that like warrior ponytail. Mm -hmm. It looks so good. I also like Belle's dress, uh, her little glow up dress. I believe that the pattern is houndstooth and which is incredibly difficult sometimes to capture on camera, but it's a nice fit. I just 
I do notice though, in the long shot, you see that it's got like a three tiers, I believe of ruffles at the end. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, that's cute. I'm like, it's cute, but I'm just like, no, oh, Castro, you just couldn't fucking resist. Could you? <laughs> no, <laughs> never. We also in this episode get Emma's brown jacket for the first time, which I like to think she changed into because she's she's having a hard time being a hero uh, in this first episode. And and the red jacket is like her hero jacket. So like as soon as possible, she needed to like shed that image, uh, which I think was a really interesting like little character costume choice for Emma. So back in the end of July and beginning of August, I was lucky enough to be able to squeeze a trip up to Seattle and I got to get tickets to the Heroes and Villains, the Art of Disney costume exhibit over at the Museum of Pop Culture. And they had four costumes from Once Upon a Time. So I just want to give our listeners a heads up that if you don't follow us on social media, go ahead and pop over to either, I would either say Instagram or Tumblr because we have the video also up there that accompanies the Cinderella dress that I saw from episode four, The Price of Gold of season one. It has so much more detail, but more importantly, there's a little one minute video narrated by Eduardo Castro, the costume designer, and you see like him sketching and stuff. And what I've learned about Once Upon a Time from reading like the plaques of like the few costumes that were there was that they were very, very limited in what they could find in Vancouver. And and I know a little bit about TV costume design due to a family member who is in that world, in that career. And I know they go shopping a lot, like not just for fabrics, but like for actual outfits. It's a lot, a lot, a lot of shopping. It's a lot of like hand dyeing or hand embellishing. And Castro was like, every single dress is actually tailor-made for the princess or the character in question, especially like the gowns and stuff. So this dress would have definitely been very meticulously thought of. Yeah, and I have to say, after looking at your pictures of of Cinderella's dress from Price of Gold, I have to go back uh, past me. Past me did not like that dress, and I said it was very pageant. And now having seen all these close-up details, I can say I was wrong. That's a gorgeous garment. gorgeous dress. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. So past me, you were wrong. That dress is beautiful. (laughs) It's really, I'm really actually brokenhearted now that like, the camera just did not pick up a lot of these intricate details that went into these costumes. I mean, just so many little details and that just could not be featured because they were, you know, seen for like 30 seconds on camera. Yeah. What really made me hungry for is a proper costume display of Once Upon a Time. And now I'm like really curious, like, well, what happened to, I mean, this is seven seasons worth of costumes, really nice costumes. Like, where did they all go? Did they all get auctioned off? Or are they all just in the Disney archive? Because all these costumes that were on display from various feature films are, are from archives. So I'm assuming that the majority, especially of like the fancy dress ones, live in an archive somewhere. Well, I know that at least for a while, Snow White's wedding dress was in California Adventure. Mm. Yeah, they had, I think they had three they outfits. Had, yeah, they had a window display that had Snow White's wedding dress, um, one of Regina's outfits, 
and I think one of Charming's outfits. Yeah, I think it was okay. Snow, Regina, and Charming. So at least for a little while, that's where Snow's was. And like, I took a ton of pictures of it because I was like, oh my God, all the details. I want to make this. Yeah. So at least for a while, that's where that one was. But I think. Then that means that, that yeah, archive? definitely Disney then is hanging on to them. Because I think I've also seen Once Upon a Time costumes show up at like a D23 convention. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Yeah, we've definitely seen some of them at D23. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I wish they would do like a like a retrospective or something like all in one place, you know, with like some oh, really yeah. I- iconic outfits. Yeah, they should um, do a pretty like coffee table book of they really like, should sketches and and high quality. They really should. Like, and I'm really, really I'm actually really sad that like there's no there's still as yet to be published a um just any sort of definitive Once Upon a Time book. Now, mind you, it only ended in 2018. So that's not to say that one will not be published eventually. It's just, you know, it would help with like production notes and notes from the various writers and the directors and the showrunners and the actors, you know, I'd love that. That'd be really great. It'd be really cool. Okay. But that's, that's enough of me lamenting of things that are out of my control. I want to play a game of who's that guest star. It's been too long. I know. If you don't remember, this is the segment where we're, in which we talk about recurring cast members and other guest stars. So in season two, episode one, we have Julian Morris as Prince Philip. English actor Julian Morris is best known for his roles in such titles as Pretty Little Liars, Hand of God, New Girl, 24, ER, and Little Women. He was an adorable teacher on New Girl. And I think I've liked Prince Philip more on rewatches because of his time on New Girl. It really endeared oh, me to him. He was, he was precious. He's a sweet little dweeb on it. Hey, Elisa. Yeah. Where are we in Once Upon a Timeline? Well, I will tell you. This one is actually really easy because it actually directly follows the real time Storybrooke timeline. So this episode's flashback follows episode one pilots flashbacks and episode 20s the strangers flashbacks since they both end with the curse having been cast and then all we've seen in Storybrook as well also precedes this flashback um, because this flashback isn't even a flashback which is a pretty nice change actually we're gonna see some see some shakeups here but we'll also make our life here at once upon a timeline a little more complicated but it'll make our show you know it's a little more interesting we're gonna see a little more variety here all right so next time on once upon a rewatch as david tries to restore order in storybrook regina continues to seek a way to regain her powers and the dwarves make a discovery when they investigate the town line meanwhile in the fairy tale land that was as her wedding day to king leopold approaches regina is confronted by a man of magic who promises to help her become independent and break free from her mother Cora's clutches. Thank you for tuning in to Once Upon a Rewatch. We are the Narrators 3. The moral of this episode is bisexual panic is real and alive in season two. You can find us on anchor.fm slash once upon a rewatch. Talk fairy tales with us on Twitter at once upon rewatch. On Instagram at Once Upon Rewatch. On Tumblr at Once Upon A Rewatch. Tumblr.com. 
If you enjoy Once Upon a Rewatch, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or on your platform of choice. This podcast uses material from episode-specific pages on the Once Upon a Time wiki at Fandom and is licensed under the Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike license. And we want to say a very special thank you to the master of free music, Kevin McLeod. Our intro music is Frost Waltz, and our outro music is Fairy Tale Waltz. And remember, all plot devices come with a price. Don't break the magic hat with your butt. <laughs>